Welcome to Thrive HR, a podcast by Thrive Pass. In this show, we sit down with industry leaders to explore the world of HR and everything it has to offer. I'm your host, Andrea Steptola. Also having that strong commitment to the community, to DEI initiatives, ESG, all of those things make IMA a compelling employer for all generations, and particularly the younger generations where these types of community involvement endeavors really matter a lot. Welcome to another episode of Thrive HR. Today, Andrea speaks to Bobby McPherson, Chief People Officer at IMA Financial Group. The two examine the importance of creating great experiences for employees, working in tandem with new partners, and managing organizational change. Good morning, Bobby. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good morning. How are you doing? Excellent. And, and Bobby, you're, you're joining us this morning from Denver, Colorado. That is correct. Yep. Excellent. Very so, hot and very hot and sunny day here in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, I'm I'm currently in Mexico, and as a matter of fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's cloudy and rainy. So interesting how how life sometimes plays. So so yeah, let, let me ask you this. You know, is there something that you can share with our audience that even the team at IMA doesn't know about you? Something maybe from from your history, something unique about you? That's a great question to start with. I am a fairly open book with my team. And because I am newer to IMA, I have spent a lot of time getting to know know folks. But I think the one thing that I probably haven't shared with anyone is that when I hit my 35th birthday, I decided to go off on not completely on my own, but I did a trekking trip. I did the Tour de Mont Blanc in the European Alps as sort of a birthday present, head clearing trip for myself in the summer that I turned 35. And was that on a, on a, on a, on, on a bike or was that just like you walking? Out? No, it, it was a completely backpack hiking. Wow. Thank, thankfully, we had a husband and wife duo that served as our guides. And so the wife would drive ahead and take a big bag that each of us had to the next hostel or campground that we were staying at, but everything else that we had needed for the day and to summit the the peaks of the day, we had to carry on our backs. So it was an amazing 10-day trip through the European Alps. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I had the fortunate time with, with my wife back in the days to do the Camino de Santiago, which is somewhat similar, right? It's in north of Spain. <laughs> And you walk for 30 days and it's interesting how you can yeah, reflect and meet interesting people and, and, and get some exercise and all of these things. So maybe that's a topic for a different conversation, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's jump in into kind of like your, your background, right? And, you know, specifically your, your, your journey in the HR world, right? Before and before you joined IMA, there were some really interesting stations of, of your career, right? Want to, want to dive into that as, as the next point. Sure. I'd be happy to share a little bit about what's attracted me throughout my moves throughout my career. But, you know, I, I became interested in the field of HR in college and just the study of human behavior, mm-hmm. human beings, people in teams and work groups. And so that's that's been the common thread. I have done nothing in my career outside or I have done nothing outside of the field of human mm-hmm. resources and study of humans, but the 
you know, life and marrying my career and my passion about my career and profession with just all the twists and turns that life takes you through, whether it be wanting to be in a certain environment for my kids, wanting to support my husband while he pursued his education and his master's and and just sort of navigating that really led me to make changes throughout my career that were driven both by wanting to expand my leadership capabilities within the HR field, but also making sure that I was doing the right thing for my family at, at that moment in time. And so that has afforded me the opportunity to work in a number of consumer services industries, mostly hot knowledge worker workforce environments and some unique specialties in sport administration with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, sort of serving the, the, the U.S. in our quest to send a delegation of athletes to the Olympics and Paralympics every couple of years. Also spending time, I have a passion, as you would note, from my introductory comments for the outdoors and an active lifestyle. So working in the ski resort space and hotels and destination resorts and really providing experiences to our customers, our clients that really can make a difference in their lives. So I have to ask, right, specifics, yeah. did the job also entail some traveling to the events or what, what was kind of the scope of that arrangement? Great question. Normally it would entail traveling to a number of events. And I did get a little bit of travel into our Olympic training centers before the pandemic hit. And then unfortunately, all of the normal qualifying events, everything got delayed. I was there during a time of a lot of hardship and a lot of support that we were providing virtually to all of our employees, as well as all of our athletes that were sort of gearing up for the 20, supposed to be the 2020 Tokyo Games. And so really having to read how we support not only our employees, but also the athletes through a really challenging time when there was a lot of uncertainty as to whether those games would even happen. So focusing a lot on providing mental health support, changing our service delivery to our athletes, to a virtual world, as well as how we supported our our 500 or so employees that made up the Olympic and Paralympic Committee. I can imagine how how complicated that is, right? Because it's only every four years, right? So yes. time, time is important, the stress and, and, and all of that. So I want to go back to a comment you mentioned about your, your career, right? And, you know, if, if somebody listening in now is, is aspiring a career in HR and in, in, in leadership, maybe if you reflect on your career, are there certain things now where you would say like these were certain inflection points either for success, right? We would say, okay, these were certain decisions that I made that really propelled my career. Or on the flip side, whether certain things we would say like, you know, I would avoid these kind of things. That is, that's a very good question. I'm going to start first with thinking on some of the risks that thinking about some of the risks that I took to advance my career, step into environments, raise my hand, volunteer for pretty assignments that I feel propelled my career path or my trajectory 
to the point of, of having a pretty large responsibility scope and, and span of leadership responsibility at a fairly young age within my career. And, and not, I would, looking back at that, just not being afraid to make a suggestion make a proposal, identify where there's a need, volunteer to step in and not be afraid to make a change for the, with the, make, not be afraid to make a change in who my employer is. So wanting to ensure that, you know, that I was being fulfilled, that my skills were being utilized and, and recognizing sometimes when Maybe the fit wasn't there anymore. You know, organizations change all the time in this world of mergers and acquisitions. And one experience that you're having could be the best thing in the world. And all of a sudden, new ownership comes in and they have a different philosophy about people and the workforce and how they want to support the associate experience. And sometimes you have to be very self-aware to recognize that maybe your own personal values don't align with the values of that organization. and. And not being upset by it, but looking at it opportunistically. So you mentioned the core values of an organization, right? I assume this this is then also one of the criteria for you in your career to kind of like determine whether this is a good fit or not, right? As, as an employer. Throughout your career, what were other decision-making criteria, so to, so to speak, to take the next role? Was it to be in the right industry, to have the right mentor, growth opportunities? How, how did you make these decisions? One of the, th the first, I think the answer to that question is different based on what stage in your career you're in. So as I was growing up in the HR profession and learning sort of the craft and learning how to be a solid HR business partner to the different organizations that I served, what, what is important there or what was important to me at that stage in my career was, is this a company that provides growth opportunities? Do I have the opportunity to make a difference, have my voice be heard, be able to influence how the associates or the, the team members are treated within the workplace? And those things were important earlier in my career. And then as I transitioned to sitting in the seat of being the head of HR for an organization, What became more important to me was the leadership team that I am a part of, because you're, as you get to the, the seat of the chief people officer, you're a business leader first, and then you're a practitioner within the HR function. So you spend a lot of time with your colleagues driving strategy for the organization, developing the roadmap, ensuring that the right programs and policies are in place. And the people that you spend more time with are a smaller group of people at the top of the leadership house. And so you have to enjoy the people that you work with. And, and so that, be, for me, that became more important as I, as I had my first couple of head of HR roles, I was just excited to have the opportunity. It was a huge learning curve being in that role. But after a couple of those experiences and having lived through that, then you kind of earn the right to be choosy and, and to find industries that you have a connection to or that you have a passion for or leadership teams that you really connect with and that you share some core values with. So the, the, 
true the thread line through all of that is, is this an employer that really cares about its employees and that wants to create an experience for the employees that creates an engaged workforce and people who want to stay with that organization and feel feel great about working for for that company but some of those other things become important depending upon the position like who do you spend the bulk of your time with do you enjoy their company are they people you would want to go have dinner with and and enjoy being with them so 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 given your track record i'm sure you had a lot of different opportunities right what specifically made you excited about ima right and taking your, your current yeah ima was a unique opportunity for me and in it i had made a decision that i wanted to make a change and so i was sort of passively considering what options would be next for me and I have had a long career of working for Fortune 500 companies, publicly traded companies, private equity controlled companies, and, and nonprofits. And the one thing that I had never experienced was an employee-owned company. And I had become familiar with IMA as a client and was incredibly impressed with the service, the client service that was provided to me as a head of HR and the brokerage and advisory services around our employee benefit plans that we provided to our employees at three different companies. So I had come to know IMA through that angle and was a very satisfied client of IMAs. I had moved business to IMA from other brokerage houses. And I was also incredibly impressed in the Denver area with IMA's presence in the community. Strong, strong philosophy around giving back to the communities in which we operate. And so those two things were sort of in the back of my mind when I learned about the opportunity and thought, oh my gosh, this would be a nice new experience being with an employee-owned company. It brings its own different challenges. So there would be some growth and learning for me in that regard, but also having that strong commitment to the community, to DEI initiatives, ESG all of those things make IMA a compelling employer for all generations, but particular, and particularly the younger generations where these types of community involvement endeavors really matter a lot. We're a very purpose-driven company, and that was incredibly appealing to me. I definitely want to hear more about what it means to work at a company that's owned by the employees and how you hear their voices. And we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. But for now, maybe describe to us, like what, what's kind of like your, your current role, the focus, and then maybe even more important, what are the top priorities, right? What are the things that you want to move and shake here, so to speak, over the next 30 years? Great. I will start with just saying that, that as the chief people officer or the chief HR officer, head of the HR function. I don't really care about titles. What I, what I care about is providing service to our employees, to our managers, and to our leaders. And so as a team, we have about 30 employees in the HR function, and we are responsible for providing an, an employee experience that runs the gamut from how candidates are engaged with through the recruitment process to how someone is onboarding, how someone is onboarded, and then their whole life cycle with IMA is supported by the HR function. So we provide the total rewards package that is delivered to all associates, compensation, benefits, 
work policies, time off policies, et cetera. We have a talent management function, which is responsible for really designing the common programs and practices that we will deliver to the organization and to our employees around how are they onboarded? How do they go through the annual performance development process? What training are they provided? What, how do they get information about their career paths, et cetera? And then we have a, a, a probably half of our team, if not more, is dedicated to the HR service delivery. So all of those programs that we are responsible for and policies, we have boots on the ground in every one of our major office hubs. And we have HR professionals who support our remote employees because we have a pretty flexible work arrangement. But everything the recruiters and the HR business partners are focused on is supporting that employee life cycle, whether it's at times of stress, when someone needs to go on a leave, when someone's struggling in their job, when someone is looking for what's next for them within the organization. And so that's what makes up our team. And then, and I think your second question was really getting to what are some of the critical priorities. And those are really, those priorities are being driven by the fact that we have, since I joined, not even a year and a half ago, we've tripled in our workforce size. So we are going through a lot of consolidation within the insurance brokerage industry. And IMA is has the good fortune of being on the side of having new organizations joining family of companies that support our clients. And so building scalable processes, technology platforms that can support a much larger organization than we were just two years ago is critically important. So A lot of what we're focused on this year in 2022 is foundational infrastructure that can grow and scale more easily than what we had in place before. And so I kind of look to 2022 as being the blocking and tackling year and the develop the, this is the time that we are developing our roadmap for our talent management strategy. How are we going to support career pathing and development and integrating all these great practices that existed in the companies that are now a part of IM? We have to make some decisions around what are the best practices that we want to continue forward with as, as we inventory everything that has done up until this point. It sounds like you have your hands full, your team, right? That's 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 that's, that's a lot going on. One one thing that was very interesting, you mentioned that the company has tripled in size, I believe, right, over the last uh, few years, and that's both organically and then inorganically, right? Correct. The term that you used was for for the organization that are coming to the IMA family was partners, right? Tell us more about that. What what's 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 behind that idea? Sure, we're fairly deliberate in in trying to stay away from phrases like acquisitions, integrations, because all of that implies to most people that we're just looking at an organization and plugging it into the existing IMA framework and how we do business and how we service our customers. And all of that kind of presupposes that what they were doing before needs to change to the way that IMA operates. And we fundamentally sort of reject that proposition. We believe that a new partner that joins IMA has been very successful. They 
they are organizations much like IMAs that have strong cultures. Almost all of them have been employee owned as well. So there's a lot of commonality between sort of the ethos of these organizations that are joining us as well as IMA. And so we want to take a look at what are they doing that maybe we could learn from and how do we take that and spread it across the whole new organization and how do some of the things that we feel like we do well, how can some of those things benefit our new partners? So we really take an approach, which is, I think, unique. I've been a part of a lot of mergers and acquisitions in my past where it, it, it was kind of an, an assumption that, oh, well, they just need to convert to the way to our benefits plans or the way we do performance management, et cetera. But we are a completely, IMA is a completely different organization than we were three years ago. So we are humble enough to recognize that maybe we weren't, we didn't have all the best practices in place. And so we want to learn from our new new partners and, and really take the best of all what all of us are doing, choose that as a go forward proposition, and then figure out how to, how to spread that across the now much bigger organization. So it sounds like in order for these yeah, transaction to go well, you mentioned the culture is super important, right? Yes. I'm sure like your know, financial aspects, right? Clearly a consideration. On the flip side, are there certain yeah, elements or criteria of an organization where you would say like, well, this is not a good fit for, for IMA, red flags or whatnot, where you and the leadership team say like, we got we to gotta stay away from that transaction. You know, I think to answer that question, I, I'm going to focus on the positive. So, and just sort of flip it to say, what do we hold dear at IMA and what becomes very attractive to us? And so we have a few core values, but probably the couple or the few that rise to the top that really resonate with us when we see these exhibited in a potential new partner is a, a incredibly strong client service mentality. So figuring out how we can best meet our clients where they are and be creative and entrepreneurial and support them in the best way possible, whether it's on the property and casualty side or the employee benefits or other services that we provide. So that's one. Two more that I will reference that I just hear so often from new partners as well as long-term employees of IMA is a mutual respect for each other, whether it be internal colleagues or our clients or our vendor partners or carriers that we work with. Just having that mutual respect and professionalism that is really important within, within IMA. And then probably I'll say, I'll say that I saved the best for last, which is this dying commitment to ensuring that our employees, our associates are supported and provided with the tools that they need to be effective in their role and transparency and really ensuring that we provide an experience for them that makes them want to join us, makes them want to stay with us and be highly engaged in what they do day in and day out. And that that commitment to our associate just 
I, I hear that from our new partners when they when they join us. And it's like it's the common phrase that I hear is we are nothing without our employees. And we're it, it's it's their mm-hmm. skill, it's their knowledge base, it's the way that they show up for their clients every day and for their internal customers that makes or breaks breaks us as a business. That very much resonates and seems like you have a framework in place that works well to select the right partners, right? Now that you have done over 20 of these integrations, let's maybe talk a little bit about the post-merger, like the, the integration itself, right? Is there like a playbook that your team has for these integrations? And maybe, maybe even more interestingly, are there certain learnings and reflections from the first five or six, right? Certain things that didn't go so well that that you learned from it and changed? Yeah, I mean, as far as a playbook, we actually do have a playbook. We're sort of building it as we go. And we learn something new from each one of the new partner integration processes that we go through. And I would say that goes beyond just what's happening in the HR function. But I will I will give you some examples from an HR perspective that we have learned just in the last year. The first one is that the feedback that we received from the first couple of new partners that we brought on board was it was just overwhelming. I mean, everyone's heard the phrase that joining a new company is like drinking from a fire hose for the first few weeks. And we received feedback that we should sort of slow down the pace of with which we are imparting information to our new employees and it it just can be overwhelming. We've learned a lot on the IT side as well, just integrating systems for communication, not even technology that we need to do our job from a from an agency management perspective, but just giving access to the email system and the intranet and things like that. So we've we've learned along the way that we need to pace ourselves with, we're just very open and sharing and we want to welcome folks, but it can be a bit overwhelming at first. The other thing that we have really changed from an HR perspective is really deferring to the leadership about when and how to review how things are done and where we should decide to combine efforts going forward. So going back to one of the new partners that joined us really before we had done anything of size, it was the first one of size and it was our, now it's called our Dallas office, but it was called Waldman. And we immediately moved those employees onto our payroll and our benefits. And that wasn't a good experience. It was in the middle of the year. People had to start over on their deductibles and their yeah, many other things that really did not provide a good associate experience. And so now the approach that we take is we sit down and have a conversation with the leadership of an, a new partner and say, Here's, here's what we have going on. Here's the payroll system we have. Here's our benefits package. Here's yours. Are there things that we should consider timing-wise for when's the right time to both move together to the go-forward plan, whatever that may be? And in addition to that, for the last two years, the way that we've done our benefits renewal for the upcoming year to get ready to launch open enrollment for all of our employees has been a collaborative joint exercise so that we are getting together with three different companies, really, 
looking at the benefits offerings, saying, oh, you do that a little bit better than we do it over here. In this division, does it better, has a much better offering carrier, et cetera, on you name it, the dental plan. Frankenstein this together and pick the right benefit plan offerings that are going to resonate the most with our employees to attract and retain them. And then that is what we land on. And then it's a challenge because we've often, for the last two years, we've had people moving from sort of three or four different plans to one new one. And so the education and communication has got to be top notch. And we recognized early on, we can't, we need to get outside communication support for this magnitude of change that is happening. So that's just one example of how we just really try to customize when and how and what is changing. I love the idea of like, you know, working together with these new partners to to really pick and choose the best part of, of each of the benefit plans, right, and strategies. Are there certain things that come to mind where you would say like, wow, these were really innovative benefit strategies or tools or whatnot that maybe one of the new partner brought into the larger IMA ecosystem? Yes, I, two immediate examples come to mind, and I'll start with a technology form that we at IMA had been talking about for some time that we needed a user-friendly technology system for goal setting and performance management, as well as being able to consolidate all that information and roll it up for the annual review process. And so we've been talking about it, but hadn't really done a whole lot of work to look at who are the vendors out there that we could look at. When Bolton became a part of us in May of 2021, they had gone through the same exercise about three years prior. They had done a full RFP. They had identified a vendor that they weren't using all of the functionality that it had to offer, but they at least had set it in place for goal setting and performance management. So we just looked at that and said, we don't need to look any further. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. They've already done the work. They're happy with it. They're, we surveyed the employees to say, is it user-friendly? Is it something that you would recommend? And we just you know, moved over to a new contract for the whole enterprise and, and, and have carried that forward. And that's one example of we were able to accelerate how quickly we could get that up and running. And now it's benefiting the whole organization and people are, and, and it provides a lot more functionality, like how to support ongoing communication between a manager and their employee through one-on-ones, through transparent career pathing. And it has an engagement survey measurement module that we also had on our roadmap that we wanted to deploy, but it sort of came with the package of services provided. So that's that's one really great example of just leveraging what they've already figured out on their own. And the second one that I will share also came from our Bolton partner by happenstance, but they had really invested. We have we have a very strong female workforce, or we're about 67% female across the whole enterprise. And so, and that's true of most insurance companies as well. And so recognizing that and having having a strong focus on trying to support working moms. There is a, a partner that they had started a relationship with that provides 
all kinds of coaching and services for family planning, new moms, coping with the stress of going back to work after you've finished your baby bonding time. And, and even this year, they've added on sort of, what is it, sort of later in life stage support for women going through menopause. So it's like, really innovative. It's an amazing benefit, you know, probably small utilization, but really puts an exclamation point on the support that we provide to our working moms or those who want to start families across the organization. So that's another example of they've done the homework, they've found the partner, they've vetted them and we're like, okay, well, this makes sense for, if it makes sense for you, then it's something we should consider for the whole enterprise. Yeah, you got to connect me with that partner. I would love to yes. look at that for Thrive Pass as well. I think this, it, it yeah. sounds like Maybe one of, the, yeah. yeah, it sounds like one of those benefits that can really support the employees in a very difficult, potentially difficult time in their life, right? You, you make an impact right. there. So we'd love yeah. to learn more about that. How do you, how do you with specific integrations, and you mentioned that, that, you know, tool that, that you're having there for, for engagement, how do you measure success? Have a new partner comes on board, but maybe also more broadly speaking with the IMA associates, right? Yeah. How do you know that things that you are putting in place are working or not? Yeah, I, we are trying to put in place common metrics that we will be able to look to, to, to really help us analyze whether we're doing the, the right things for our workforce. And that's looking at our turnover. It's looking at our engagement levels. And so doing a company-wide, getting a baseline of this new, much bigger organization engagement survey was something that we were really committed to doing this spring so that we could have that baseline and measure whether we're making change and improvement through pulse surveys or, you know, every 18 months to 24 months doing another full survey. So Turnover, retention, engagement scores, promotion rates. Our associates tell us that having a career path is critically important to them and growing and developing matter. And so looking at what is the percentage of open jobs that we have, are we filling internally versus externally, as well as just business financial success is, is important as well. So on that front, we've had such a strong trajectory of bringing new partners in and our growth is amazing from an organic perspective. And we have not seen any deterioration in the organic growth. So measuring all of those things, looking at exit interviews, looking at new hire surveys to, for, to let our associates tell us are we doing the things that are keeping them engaged and feeling good about their employment with IMA? So those are some of the key things. From a, an efficiency standpoint, I'd like to look also at our ratio of HR, FTEs, or headcount. How, how many of us does it take in HR to support the 2,000 employee workforce that we now have? So a lot of that is a bit in flux because of new partners joining us and in different service delivery models that they may have had in place. So it takes a little bit of time to integrate those things, but keeping track of are we being efficient in the service delivery that we provide to our employees and to our leaders is also important to me from a 
from a measuring our own success as a function. It sounds like it's it's very broad, right? It's very broad, but you're, you're measuring fairly holistic. One thing that piqued my interest, you mentioned there is a, a poll survey, an engagement survey, right? Yeah. Were there any, when you started this process of getting feedback from the employees, were there any yeah, surprises at the beginning of the p feedback you got? And if so, were there a certain project that either you or your team started as a response to that? Yeah, that's, that is a great question. The way we structured our engagement survey is that we, we sort of start at the top and had a, a few questions around how, how much confidence do our employees have in the leadership and the direction and strategy of the company? Then whittled down to like, what about the leadership of your department and your relationship with your direct manager and Are the policies in, inclusive? Do they create and foster a sense of belonging with the organization? And, and really ending with, are you proud to, to say that you work at IMA and would you refer a friend? So, so that's the scale of the type of questions that we asked. And we were not surprised by the fact that routinely across all departments, the, the amount of stress and workload potential burnout that people are experiencing is our biggest opportunity. And at times of this amount of rapid growth and new partners joining the organization and change, that didn't surprise us. But at the same time, it, it really educated our leaders around the importance of, the, of managing the pace of change and being thoughtful about Even though we can do a new partnership, maybe in fourth quarter, maybe we need to be very cautious and think about what is that going to do to the existing workforce? Because our turnover has crept up just a little bit. Some of that could be due to great resignation, COVID, pandemic, all of that. But we don't want to ignore the fact that we have crept up a little bit on that, on that metric. And there is some change that we can control. So, so that was an, an important finding and really provided, provided a good message for all of the leaders to be cognizant of as we think about not only just bringing new partners in, but is it the right time to move to this new technology? Or, and, and one of the things that one initiative to your question that we undertook as an HR function is we recognize that we had different varying levels of skill around change management. And so as HR business advisors to all of our offices, I felt it was really important, as did the HR leadership team, that we really needed to upskill our entire function to understand the change cycle and what people go through when they're changing, even if it's positive change, it still has an impact on employees. And so under getting ourselves educated so that we could then educate our employees and our managers around how to lead through change was a key, one of the most important key initiatives that we sort of invested in for ourselves in order to be best to best serve the organization. I think this is such a great insight. And, you know, as you said, it was change, right? You can change from the worst thing in the world to the best thing in the world. It's always hard, right? And yes. to reflect on 
what is the right pace, so to speak, right? Uh, seems to be a key element, right? To make this digestible for the employees and an organization. You also may mention turnover, right? And I, I, I speak to a lot of the, the leaders in the industry. This is a macro level issue that we are seeing in, in, in the industry, right? So a lot of companies are struggling to find new talent. A lot of leaders are also going to retire now in the next yes. you know, decades or, or whatnot. How do you think about that specifically in the concepts of IMA and are there certain key initiatives, right, that you and your team are pursuing in order to attract new, new, new talent? Great question. We in the at IMA, and I can't speak to the whole industry, but one of the either the first or second reason for our turnover is retirement. So we definitely have a population of our workforce that will be aging out of not only this company, but the industry as well. And so because of that, and my understanding from initial research we've done is that that is happening in the insurance industry. At, at a more rapid pace than in other industries. And so we have been hyper-focused on trying to create new pipelines for attracting talent into the organization and into the industry, people who never thought that they might have a career within insurance. And so to do that, we've got to tap into different sources. So we have, I guess, in line with our tripling in size, we've tripled the size of our internship program. And we've been very intentional to go to universities and colleges that have more diverse populations of students and tapping into different fraternity organizations that sort of have a risk management background, but maybe give us sort of that useful infusion of talent into the organization. And there's a lot of great organizations, nonprofits out there that are also focused on the same thing that we're exploring to not only feed into our internship program, but also we are focused on developing for next year a uh, call it an apprenticeship or an externship. So recent grads or people who maybe started their career for a couple of years in one industry, they aren't really happy. How can we recruit them in and give them a support network with a bit of a development program for uh, future leaders within the organization that ex that teaches them about the insurance industry because people don't grow up, you know, thinking, oh, I want to work in insurance, you know, they don't even understand what that is. And so having some sort of a rotational program that, that allows people to sort of think about where will their skills be most suited within this industry, because they're an amazing career path and trajectory that someone can have especially when you look at the retirement projections of, of the workforce that we have today. And to your point, right, with, with most things in life, you have to lean in and, and learn a little bit more in order to develop that passion, right, and truly understand what, what the opportunities are. So, Bobby, I want to I thank you for, for all the insights today, for your time, but I want to close with, with maybe a twofold. One is we talked today a lot about NAE, right, how to select the right partners, how to yeah integrate these partners in the organization, right, and then we... We touched, you know, on career development and, and whatnot. So if anybody from, from our listenership, 
is is in the field or like you know experienced merchant acquisitions right wants to exchange some ideas with you what's the best way to connect and the, the second question is if somebody is interested in you mentioned the uh, internships right some some other opportunities at IMA what, what is the best way essentially to to reach out if somebody wants to learn more sure the the first question on the best way to connect with me for a thought partnership around M&A or any of the exciting things we have going on is through LinkedIn. I, I might not be the most timely person in responding, but I do get back to everyone who reaches out. So send me a LinkedIn message, include maybe a phone number because then getting out of the mm-hmm. LinkedIn space is, is a lot easier for than ongoing dialogue. Secondly, in fact, we're, we've entered into our internship recruitment season. So I would encourage anyone to look at all of the opportunities, not just internships, but we we have, we post on our website. You can learn a little bit about our ESG efforts, a little bit about the company or community involvement by going to the IMA Financial Group company website. We also have on LinkedIn, a pretty built out profile around what it's like to work at IMA, what is life like at IMA. So both of those avenues are great for finding out information. All of our job postings are always out on our careers website. So that's probably the best best way to just get information about where we have hiring opportunities for internships and beyond. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for your time today. It was a really pleasure to have you. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. This podcast is sponsored by ThrivePass, a trusted HR partner for innovative benefits technology. From lifestyle spending accounts to pre-tax to COBRA administration, ThrivePass has you covered. We personalize benefits. You thrive as the employer of choice. More at thrivepass.com.